0: Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson. I'm joined tonight for Mavs Moneyball After Dark by not one, but two guests. Contributing writers, Xavier Santos and Matthew Phillips of Mavs Moneyball. How are you doing
1: tonight, boys? Uh, don't, well, not so well after that terrible performance in the fourth quarter, but other than that, I'm great.
0: Matt?
2: Uh, I'm very good. Uh, that game was quite disappointing, but yeah, it, it get... is a
1: well,
0: so for for those of you who don't know, and you should, because if uh, our, our only our most faithful listeners listen after a loss, the Mavs fell to the Washington Wizards, one twenty to one fourteen. Um, Matt, why don't you try to sum up this this really just very frustrating game?
2: Uh, the first quarter, neither team played any defense whatsoever. Uh, started off with uh, Luca being very aggressive, scored fifteen points. Bradley Bill matched him. Uh, I think it was like it was a whole lot to a whole lot. Uh, The Wizards had a slight lead. The Mavs made a pretty good run in the second quarter, took a lead into the half. Uh, Kristaps Porzingis played really well. Everything was clicking. Uh, At some point during halftime, the Monstars came and stole Kristaps Porzingis' talent. Um, (laughs) He scored one point in the second half. Um, The whole team just struggled after that. Um, Lucas still played well, finished with 33 points, but wasn't exactly crisp. And uh, Then down the stretch, the Mavs just uh, Kyle Kuzma made some shots. It's very frustrating to lose to Kyle Kuzma making mm. shots. The Mavs missed several wide open threes, and uh, yeah, that happened, and they lost, and they some for some reason waited to foul for 12 seconds on a possession with 23 seconds left in the game. I'm not sure if they're aware that you know, they lost <laughs> than 24 seconds left in the game. The other team does not have to shoot, and once they get it over half court, you need to go ahead and
0: foul. And that's that.
1: Well, that's... Now,
0: that's... Pretty good summary. So, so, uh, you know, I wanted them both of you on not only because Josh was out, but because I, I wanted this to be a little bit different once I knew that it was going to be a Wizards game because I had a feeling it'd be high scoring. I also thought that the Mavericks would win, um, but that didn't happen. So I was looking forward to kind of a, hey, you know, this is a a second straight building block win. And instead, the Mavs pissed themselves um, and scored 45 points in the second half, 21 points in the fourth quarter. Um, and and I don't even know where to start. And I think, Xavier, you're kind of fired up. So why don't, why don't you give us your
1: first take here? I mean, first, Willie Carley-Stein just continues to frustrate me to no end. And then secondly, we could just talk about the end of the game, right? What, I don't understand why when we went, went down four, why Jason Kidd decided to call a timeout then knowing that that was our last timeout. If you know that you're not going to go for a three and you're going to make it a free throw shooting contest or you're going to try and for the turnover, then you're better off keeping that timeout in your pocket because you're going to need it. And said he called a timeout and then we went down and scored two and then inexplicably didn't foul. That was frustrating. And then the second half kind of illustrated everything that I thought was wrong with the scene. We can't protect the rim at all. I mean, it was a layup line regardless of. Who- who was playing center or power forward for us. That was frustrating. We couldn't contain Raul Neto. I mean, he looked like Stephon Marbury in his prime. He was just getting anywhere on the court that he wanted. And the Mavs really couldn't do anything to stop him. And then we couldn't hit open shots, you know. So when you combine all that and then Porzingis, you know, that game, first half was good Porzingis. Second half was everything that we don't want to see from Porzingis. He wasn't aggressive. He didn't make quick decisions. He settled for some terrible shots. And so – it was just, you know, like I said, it was a tale of two halves, and unfortunately, we just didn't play smart down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm very frustrated by this one, and I don't know, like my, I'll be honest with you guys, and I want you to tell me if I'm wrong. I place a lot of my initial frustration on the fact that Luka Doncic got hurt in the first quarter, and really got targeted all game long I got a text from someone uh who doesn't watch a ton of Mavs national national NBA person who basically said his kid trying to end Luca's career and I basically responded saying you know no like this is a bit of a rope-a-dope like Luca tries on offense and looks like a dying deer on defense which was a fair like that's a that's I think that's a fair criticism like Luca sometimes milks these things a little too much but then I thought he forced a bunch of really ugly shots. Like there was a 20, like there was a, eight just inside the three point line, step back shot over Kyle Kuzma. There was after that timeout, he took a three. That was a bad three from a bad location. Um, I, 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 you know, he had a good statistical game. These guys were, he's hitting on wide open shots. Like this shit is getting pathetic. Hit an open shot, guys. Hit an open shot. Like Reggie Bullock finally hit a couple of big ones, and then Luca hit him right in the chamber. He brings the ball down to his knees and then guns one with the guy finally in his face. And and I just there's there's a number of instances like this throughout the game where Luca's hitting the right guy at the right time, and between his sort of eh, play um, and and then them not hitting open shots, it's just. You know, we've we've, got a lot of our, you know, a lot of our hardcore fans to talk to us. Like, well, the Mavs are, like, they're going to start hitting shots. Like, okay, need it to happen. Like, I don't really care how, just need it to happen. Is that unfair of my criticism of
1: Luca or what? No, honestly, that same shot that you're referencing where he took a step back inside the three-point line – that let me know he didn't have his legs underneath him. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was due to fatigue or whether, or injury, but that let me know, okay, Luka doesn't have his legs tonight because if not, he – because, look, Gafford is a good rim runner against the average NBA player, a good rim protector against the average NBA player. He can't do anything to stop Luka. So if Luka wanted to get into the paint or had the legs to get into the paint, there's nothing any, anybody on the Wizards could have done to stop him. The fact he settled for that let me know something was off, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. know what to blame for that. But you're right because I remember that play clearly. Like you look at Luca's stat line, it's thirty-three points, ten
0: assists, four rebounds, four turnovers. So not a bad statistical marker game, but he some of his passing was sloppy, and then I felt that he settled on some shots. Like there were there was a couple of possessions in the first half, like so really like before things got funky, where he took like three shots in a row. And there's parts of this offense where it just it goes and becomes such a slog. And it happened in the fourth quarter where there was no ball movement. There was, you know, it's either Luca dribbling or he finds the first person and like KP took a jumper. Like it it was just kind of encapsulation of a bunch of bad things about this team's offense coming home to roost in in about and it wasn't the entire third and fourth quarter. It really didn't start until about halfway through. And then things just went really, really belly up. Yeah, I on Luca,
2: I I've given up trying to guesstimate how much he's hurt or not. Um <laughs> When I always say, like, oh, he's hurt, he's hurt, because he acts like he's hurt. He looks like Boobie Miles in Mm -hmm. uh, Friday Night Lights, and just, you know, moving and gimping around on his knee. But then, also, I I think we're kind of letting him off the hook there, because, like, right before that, he had just gotten to the rim, put the brakes on, sent Gafford flying, which I'm sure he hit him a little bit, used his strength, and was right there at the rim and finished. that. I think he was tired um, as we have seen often with Luca um, he he slows down some at the end of the games as far as he was just out of gas um, I don't know this we may see tomorrow he may have an actual injury because I thought it looked bad at first and I thought his reaction to it looked bad but then you know it, it's Luca like he he always looks hurt and then he always plays through it and then he's uh-huh. fine offensively for a little bit so I have given up trying to trying to television doctor him and be like oh you know he has this injury he has that um because the one where he banged knees was actually not the one that scared me it was the one where he jumped and got undercut and came down like his left le- his left foot was on the ground it looked like he'd yeah. been in an awkward angle and he let that was the one that scared me not the one where he bumped knees yeah but again like i said right before that this is kind of what uh a lot of internet fans did with Steph Curry a long time ago in the finals when he killed the thunder, like he had the knee injury, then he killed the thunder, then he came back against the Cavs and struggled. And everybody's like, Oh, it's the knee injury. Like it, he can't be healthy, like a play earlier. And then all of a sudden it's, it, he's not healthy from a previous injury. Like sometimes he just plays poorly and that's not, and like I said, I'm using Steph as an example. So obviously I'm that doesn't preclude you from being an all time level. Great. It's just, I feel like if it's one of the things Nolte's saying, you know, if you're playing, we're judging them as they're playing, and uh-huh. he, he was not as good as his numbers tonight.
0: No, no, and then, you know, it's just kind of going through the whole lineup of guys, and, and I, I had an extended text debate with a particular friend of the show, I don't want to out him, but who essentially was going at Kleber, of all people, saying he's kind of a... Fake Mavs all star. <laughs> but when we were going back and forth, he was he essentially caved on the fact and said, you know, it's not Kleber in so much as it is. They expect what they expect of Kleber relative to these other guys. And and Xavier, you started off the show talking about Willie Colleystein and Dwight Powell. And it's it's they just tether Luca to these to one of the two of them, and all the minutes are garbage. I mean Willie yes. really, has a, has this magical ability to finish with the positive plus minus in ten minutes tonight he was a negative seven with two blocks and two turnovers his turnovers are gut wrenching a I, I just got to point that out and then you know you have Dwight Powell also ten minutes o of one from the floor one rebound and a negative twelve um, it, it's you can't get 20 minutes where I'm pretty sure they didn't share the floor together. So in those, and I'm all, actually, I'm, I'm positive of that. Cause that would be some kind of like, like we should call the police. If Jason Kidd plays Cully Stein and Dwight Powell. So let's just assume can't be positive, but that's 20 minutes, uh, three of, uh, or sorry, excuse me, two of seven with four rebounds and a negative 19 from some of your center rotation. That is and, and, you know, I don't want to necessarily blame kid, but I'm also not going to not blame. Like, this is like an institutional issue. Is if you, if you're going to play these guys that many minutes and then be that ineffective, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, Gafford, who was a player that the Mavericks could have picked in the 2019 draft, but instead traded out of the thir- their 37th spot and got, uh, I don't even remember his name because he's, he's not on the Mavericks anymore and was never any good to begin with. And then you see this guy who, who bounced around for a while and, you know, he, he was basically available for free and the Mavericks, you know, were one of 29 teams that weren't interested in him. And it's kind of been the, 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 one of the lower key Achilles heels all season for the Mavericks is a big man who has some, um, what do you call this? Cause Matthew, you're kind of this, you're, you're this sort of rec league player, like a guy who has no, like well, he has no issue throwing his strength around. Like the Mavericks <laughs> miss that guy. Is that a fair, like, that's a fair criticism, right? They don't have they miss that an guy enforcer. On the roster.
2: Yes. It's an enforcer. They, it's a basketball enforcer. They miss that. And putting him playing, like, that's one of the things that makes Willie Collie Stein look really bad tonight. Like, when you juxtapose them against each other, it's just, it's so bad because, I mean, Gafford does a lot of what I. Talked about Moses Brown, but except he he combines the like sixth grade tool because to the rim, he knows he's athletic, he knows where his bread's buttered, he knows what he's supposed to do, and he's also got a clue defensively of where to be and how to do everything. Because that's and it's just and part of it, like I don't even know if I can necessarily blame kids for playing, like it's it's part of it's how the roster is constructed, is just I mean, we have so many centers and none of them are good. Like, he kind of has to play some of them, some. And I am not one to let Kid off the hook here. I'm not a huge fan, but I mean, like, at some point, if you say you have to take them off the floor, you have to say who you're putting on the floor in place of them. And I mean, I I like Maxi, but I think, like, obviously a ton more. Maxi is much better than the Maxi is a completely different caliber of player than either one of them. But at the same time, I think Maxi, we have clearly shown that Maxi is at his absolute best in a 20 to 25 minute bouncy you know role where he does a lot of well a lot of good things but he's not overstretched and i just i i don't know what the answer is from a roster standpoint other than you know i i do like kp at the
1: five but i think they're trying to do that as little as possible to minimize
2: wear and tear on him
1: uh-huh. and the, and the thing is like if you're gonna play the vets like dwight powell and willie Coley he over somebody like moses brown then usually the logic is well the vets they they have better basketball like q they know where to be they know what to do, and so you need their intelligence and their savvy, you know, to kind of help fill a role as opposed to the rawness of maybe a more talented player, but somebody that just doesn't know how to win like a James Wiseman. But if there's one thing that Willie Cauley-Stein and Dwight Powell don't have, it's basketball IQ. They look like chickens without a head, and it's so frustrating because most of the things that Willie Cauley-Stein does poorly don't even show up on the box score. It's not boxing out up a rebounder. It's not being able to finish gimmies around the basket is not is he's terrible in pick and roll coverage and he doesn't know how to rotate or to uh, help from the weak side so he he doesn't even know how to be in position to use his god-given gift which is just to be tall and lanky he he doesn't know how to be in position to use his talent so it's it's just so frustrating and it's honestly like you you can't have Porzingis and what he called isona combined 14 feet in the front court and be giving up layups the way uh-huh. that we did tonight uh-huh. especially to players like that no. Well, and then there's the the
0: the little a lot of our fan base is like quietly calling for Moses Brown and it's just going to get louder. And people who are in practice every day including like various members of the Dallas media are like guys this isn't a real thing. So one of two things is is going on there. Either Moses Brown is that unbelievably bad that kid doesn't feel like he can put him in the game, which I I kind of think might be the case. Like we you just talked about how Willie's pretty bad on rotations. I have a sneaky feeling that Moses doesn't know what the first rotation is, let alone the second rotation. That's just that would be my guess. I I have nothing to back that up. No, you're Um, probably right. You're probably either he either he doesn't know that or the other option is Jason Kidd is that bad of a coach. Those are your two options with this there's no downside to playing him otherwise. And I don't think Kidd is that bad of a coach. I know we kind of beg to differ on that. I know we but you know in terms of what he's like with what his options are right now that's kind of what's happening. And so until they go and get a a big that can play some of those minutes, they have to play more Porzingis at the five. Which brings us to to probably the last player that we should really talk about in Porzingis who it's so interesting. He had 12 points, four rebounds, two assists, and I think two steals in the first half. And really, he was a plus 15. Um, He finished the game negative two, which means he didn't do anything worth a shit in the second half. And I don't know how much of that is on him. I thought that offensively, the Mavericks gave him some pretty good bones. I thought the Clippers did a pretty good job on him, or not Clippers. The Wizards did a pretty good job on him in some of the spots that he likes to get to. But this was where you saw kind of the lack of second ball handler that knows how to pass, besides Luca. Um, where there were no easy rim looks for Porzingis in the second half, and that's one of the things that's really been boosting him is getting these really great looks deep in the paint uh, and and just off of cuts. Uh the the and and that just went away. What do you guys think? Matthew? Okay.
2: Uh the the first thing with that is I do think we need to give some credit to the Wizards here. Sure, the Wizards are a much better yep. team than we are at, oh, yeah. like are right now. Um the and they're also something uh As of at least the last week, they were something like elite defensively. Like they're like top five in the league in defensive efficiency, I believe. That could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's right. Or it was as of like a week ago. But the thing, they also have a lot of very versatile defenders that can bother him. And Mm -hmm. they, they made adjustments. They went into the half and they made adjustments. I thought in the first half he was great. I thought he was a lot more decisive. And I thought they gave him a lot of more complicated looks in the second half. And then I'm also, I'm going to step back one thing on the Moses Brown thing. Not only does he not know the first rotation, he doesn't even try to make it. Like I watched a bunch of Oklahoma city thunder games last year. Cause I thought they were just a beautiful chaos experiment. And, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he, he plays like a six, like he went to a sixth grade, big man camp. Like he plays within three feet of the rim at all times on both sides of the court. Like he does not move out of there. And that just doesn't work at the NBA level. Right. Um, but back to, back to Porzingis, he, uh, I mean, I just I thought they gave him more complicated looks. I thought they did a better job on him, but I also thought he was much less decisive. Um, there was, that post up on on uh, Kispert in the first half, where he took the one power dribble and then shot the little floater from like maybe five feet, was just such a good move from him. Like he was decisive. The first post up against Beal, where he drove to his right, which I thought would make you happy, and then got fouled. Like he was just, he was very decisive in the first half and through a combination of his own being less decisive and the Wizards giving him tougher looks, the Mavs are at their best when he catches the ball and does something with it immediately.
1: And I thought he was a little more surveying the court and stuff in the second half. And he gets scared off whenever there's a traditional big next to him. That guy's defender is usually shading a step or two towards Porzingis. And if Porzingis sees that second defender there, he isn't as aggressive trying to get into the paint because he just assumes that his space is going to be cut off immediately. And that's when he usually settles for like those ugly turnaround jumpers. Mm-hmm. Um So that's why it ideally the best version of this team is with him at the five because if you can literally space around a three point line while he's posted up, well, then he has his pick of what you know, of which way he wants to make a move and he feels more confident about attacking the basket as opposed to seeing a second defender just getting scared off and then settling, you know. So I completely agree. Um, on that, I'm just gonna add one thing on that. He I think part of the
2: reason he's scared is because of all of the lower body injuries he's had. He doesn't like the traffic there where he's worried he'll land on
0: somebody. Well, it's interesting though. Like Josh Bowe wrote a really good piece about how Porzingis passing has both been better and also kind of key to the Mavericks offense. One of the things I wish he would try is I almost wish he would try to drive into more traffic because it sucks in the defense more. And I, I, Would I I wouldn't hate him trying to kick out of drives every now and again. He makes some really good obvious passes, which I know we shouldn't pat him on the head for. But frankly, like players aren't good at this sort of stuff if it's not their natural inclination. And I've seen some growth from him in that area. And I wish he would drive and sort of, you know, attempt to force the business that way than taking some of these 15 footers. Like I just can't stand the 15 footers. It's when they go, it's, it's awesome. But when then they don't go, sometimes they're off so much. It's like a, it's, it's almost like a turnover. And I know that's, that's not really measurable. It's just, I'm to the point now in KP's game this year where I feel comfortable. If he takes some shots that are a little uglier than I am. And I wish he would kind of forego this mid range diet. At least that's my opinion.
1: No, I agree. And and then part of part of the benefit of him getting deeper into the paint is that if it forces the defense to kind of send help, then that Mm -hmm. creates a wide open three. Instead, now what he does is he'll have it in the post and then the second defender won't commit to to doubling KP will kind of be in, in no man's land. And then when KP tries to kick out, it's an easy closeout for the defender and there's no space for the shooter to get the shot off and then the offense stalls out. So that's why he needs to be more aggressive about taking just a step or two closer to the rim, forcing the help and then passing out of that. And then I think it'll be a lot more free-flowing on offense for us. You know? I think
2: that also it's a symbiotic relationship there. Is because, and I think Reggie Bullock was acquired to be this guy. But we don't have a sniper. Like, there's nobody on this team that a team comes into. And if there was, the closest thing would probably be Porzingis, that teams are just terrified of shooting. Like, we don't have a gravity-defying shooter that everybody is just like, oh, my God, we cannot leave that. It. Like, it's a, it's a four-alarm fire if that guy gets an open look at all. Like, I mean, if you were going to say that as the other team, if you're like, don't let this guy get a shot, would it be?
1: It should be Timmy.
0: No, it should be Timmy. Timmy, But
2: but Tim hasn't shot, like, quietly. This is another thing.
0: I mean, not quietly. The man is 27 of 85. I wrote this down over his last five games. Well, That's terrible.
2: So he, like, we all credited Luca for his shooting renaissance, but he very publicly talked about how much Rick Carlisle helped him shooting And he's also shot about as well with Luca on and off the court the last two years. And he, his shooting numbers and everything look a whole lot like New York right now. And I'm not saying, I'm not ready to say that he's back to being that guy. I'm not saying that that's where we're going, but it is something to be concerned about and look at is that if, if Carlisle helped him tweak his jumper, anybody that does all that, like it can get a little off. It's just like a golf Uh swing, anything like that. You need a coach to help you keep it in form. And, if Carlisle was the one, was his, uh, was his shooting doctor that was keeping him informed, kind of like Holger used to be for Dirk, and now Carlisle's gone, that is a legitimate concern.
1: Well, at least we didn't lock in, lock him into a four-year deal. So, oh wait, <laughs> shit, we actually well, we know. did. And look, we're gonna do the same. And look, can I get off one hot take, Kirk? We're going to overpay the hell out of Brunson. And look, I love Jalen Brunson, right? You just he's relative
0: to market value. Yeah, Yeah, I know.
1: Because because he's more valuable to us than he is to the average NBA team. Because we're so thirsty for secondary ball handling and playmaking that for us, you saw the effects of him not playing tonight with a lot of those empty possessions. Where if he Mm -hmm. was there, those don't occur. So because of that, we're like, hey, give him all the money in the world. The problem is, to us, he's that valuable. He's not that value. I doubt he would get whatever we're going to ultimately give him on the open market. And so we're going to end up with a contract where, look, he's, Unless he's a borderline all-star, he's never going to live up to that contract. Timmy's never going to live up to that contract. Dorian Finney-Smith that we're going to have to extend this offseason, he's probably never going to be as good as he was a couple years ago. He's never going to live up to that contract. So when you have three, four, five contracts that aren't valuable contracts, that's where you get into trouble because you don't have picks. You don't have trade assets. How do you get better? So I know that's a a conversation for a different day. No, but I know what you mean. I mean. I see it coming.
0: These sorts of losses, and, and again, like like sometimes I come into these games spit and fire, but I was kind of multitasking during the game. And I'm I'm mainly just disappointed because, you know, we had a couple of days where you wrote a, a pair of articles that pissed a lot of people off. Yes, I wrote I an article that was not really, like, like I, I believe it in the sense of I think the Mavericks are capable of going somewhere if they make some changes because the West is such a shit show. Uh, But I, 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 this is a good example of like, you just need, like, if they would have won this game, we would have come in and we probably would have talked about how, all right, they need to clean up their defense. They have some guys who are hitting some shots. And once those shots start falling, yada, 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 we're just on game. This was game 18 and the shots aren't falling. We're one fourth of the way through the season. And for particular players, the shots aren't falling enough. It, you're not going to see such a, rever- uh, uh, what do you call it? Regression to the mean to where the Mavericks are likely to shoot like 50% from three point for a month. Like, could it happen? Of course it could. I think expecting that to happen, which is what an aspect of our fan book or uh, fan base believes is, is child's play. Like it that's the sort of thing where you get into the weeds of the data where it's like, Oh, this is going to be a pretty good game for their, for their offensive rating, oh, but they still lost by six. Shit, like like these these things. You know, uh, the win expectation stuff drives people crazy. It just does. Drives people crazy in football too. But but it's the sort of thing where you 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 need to see enough play against some of the mid level teams of which the Wizards I think are one, just like were one, where you want to see some areas for growth. And so to beat the Clippers the way they did is a is a really nice step forward. To lose to the Wizards like
1: this is equally as big a step back. Is that fair? I I don't think the team, my thing I don't think the Clippers win is a step forward because that <laughs> Clippers team isn't good. That's a play in tournament team. They're going to finish between seventh and tenth in the Western Conference. That's so that's team. not I a per, that's not a perennial playoff team, right? So my whole thing is like, and I know i disagreed with some people on the staff and even on the internet where they say Cuban's cheap. What we need to do now, we need to churn that 15th roster spot. Because if Moses Brown isn't good enough to get in the game, we'll cut him and bring in another big man. Sure. Bring in Marquise Chris. Bring Try to get Marcus Hall from Spain. Bring in Aaron Baines. Bring in any number of big men. Bring him in on a 10-day. And throw shit against the wall and hope that one of them can be a Daniel Gafford. Because... Imagine what we would look like with a Daniel Gafford or just Uh anybody that could just rebound, play solid defense, and catch an alley-oop and finish. And we don't have that. And you should be able to find that on the scrap heap. Guys like Daniel Gafford come a dime a dozen. The Wizards found this on the scrap heap. He was a throw-in. He was literally a throw-in in in a trade. We need to turn that 15 roster spot. I
2: completely agree with your point. I would say very clearly that Marcus is not that guy because what we need I'm Marcus
0: on. Chris, the like yeah. the, the former garbage man.
2: It just needs to be anybody <laughs> like just roll Harry Jowes, Harry Jowes, it, Anybody. <laughs> yeah. Actually I would I would love Harry Giles. But anybody between six ten and seven foot athletic big men and just say, Look, this is what we need you to do. Defend your ass off, roll hard to the rim, set screens for set good screens for Luca, then roll hard to the rim, look for the ball catch it when he throws it to you and dunk uh-huh. the end uh-huh. like it's it's not complicated and then character, this is kind of backtracking again but what you were talking about that's the gambler's fallacy like if the true talent level of the Mavs is as far as shooting is say they're a 38% shooting team like I'm just taking a random number the a lot of people will be like well if they've shot 33% then next time they're gonna shoot they're gonna shoot 43% for the same amount of time to make up for it That's not how it works. Regression works too. If they're a true talent, thirty-eight percent shooting team, we should expect them to shoot thirty-eight percent going forward. Not high enough above thirty-eight percent to -hmm. get the average back to thirty-eight. That is the gambler's fallacy, and that is just wrong. Anybody that has been through a statistics class should understand that. And it's just, I I don't. First of all,
0: statistics was really fucking hard. My wife dragged me through it because I am (laughs) a moron. This shit is difficult. All right. Let's see what they shot. Okay. They were they shot 37% as a team tonight. Like this was not a bad three-point shooting performance. They only turned the ball over seven times. Like they really had to fail in in, in a particular way. I'm gonna go see if I can find points in the paint while we're standing here. Um,
1: oh yeah, the Wizards had 60 points in the me. paint. Good yes. good lord. That's a ton, Jesus Christ. That's a ton. You should not be allowing 60 points in the paint. And the thing was a lot of those, it wasn't even like they could touch the shots. It was literally layups. It looked like a layup yeah. line out there, Kirk. And that's Dude, so a infuriating. Thing, yeah. Oh yeah. Bro, but that's where this, that's
0: that's where this idea, and this is not to kick him. I I I wanna I wanna under like like I want people to understand like this is who he is. Porzingis was brought in to be a different player than he actually is, and then he is still sometimes expected to be both, and it's just not fair. Like like Luca was getting targeted, and so there's just like like rim run after rim run, and like Maxi is a better help defender than he is rim runner. Like this team, it just when things go badly for this team, they go badly in a way that I don't think they're structured to patch the holes in game.
1: And, Kirk, was- and and don't forget we gave up a lot of open good looks to the Wizards and they didn't knock them down if they if they hit some of those looks it's th- this probably isn't even a close game and, and my, that's that's my frustration with coaching right on defense you sh- you don't want to give up layups you don't want to give up threes you ideally you want to give up contested long twos that's what you want to force the opponents into what do we give up we give up wide open layups and wide open threes so exactly what are we doing on defense What is our scheme? What is our mentality? What are are we taking away? Because we don't force teams to play left-handed. We allow them to get whatever it is that they want, and we're at the behest of whether or not they hit shots that night. That's not a way to play defense. And unfortunately, I don't see anything scheme-wise to where we're taking something away or forcing them to go to their plan B, plan C. I just don't see it. And that goes to coaching. And if someone smarter than myself like Istok or Josh can probably point out what we're doing on defense that allows those types of looks, I just know we're giving up those types of looks. they still gave up
0: those looks last year, and that's why it's more personnel for me that's really why it's more personnel yeah. for me and, and and that's why I think if they're if they're gonna actually do something this year it's gonna be shifting up the the, the roster like they just can't keep trying this well, it, part of it is
2: Luca's gotta be better defensively. Like one of the thing I am the defender of Luca defensively more than just about anyone. I still think that his ceiling when he does things is not nearly as bad as people think. Like I still think he's solid. But one of the big issues is that the thought, the differentiator between him and Trey Young is that he is not a problem defensively when matched up with virtually anyone because of his size and everything. When they ran a pick and roll late where they ran it with KCP and uh and Beal to get Luca on Beal. And the Mavs were absolutely terrified after they switched it. Dorian came and Dorian had to come back and re-switch it with essentially, and it left, I believe his Kuzma open in the corner. Like they, they didn't even switch it. Like Dorian just came back and was like, yeah, I'm coming back and just we're leaving him open. We like literally rather than try to have Luca defend Beal one-on-one for a possession with help shaded that way, they were like, Nope, we'd rather just leave a completely wide open corner three-point shooter, which I do believe he missed. But that is a problem,
1: and Luca has to take that personally and be better. And for the love of God, please stop running the 2-3 zone with Dwight Power or Willie cauley Stein out there because if one of those two gets rotated out to the wing, it's a wide-open three every time. If you want to help kind of protect KP from taking damage, run, run the 2-3 zone with KP, can man the five and be in the center, and then you surround them with wings to rotate on the perimeter. But please don't play zone when you have KP and the traditional big I out there like because they KP won't rotate. Yeah, no, exactly. I, like it I love K.P.
2: it. Because Just I like don't it. do it when with K.P. Powell. Is, well, the thing is that I've noticed is that KP is actually helpful in that zone because he's so freaking long and big. If he has a rim protector behind him that can also rotate and get out to the rim. The problem with using Willie in that role is that Willie doesn't give a shit. Like he a <laughs> and so it doesn't. Like, he's literally, he's like playing, like I talk about, and I mean, I understand that there's a gigantic chasm between playing pickup basketball and playing sure. the NBA, but he is the big, tall guy that just comes and gets invited to pickup games because he's a big, tall guy and is super athletic. Like, he just, he doesn't care. And you can tell, like, his effort level is just crap. And it just, like, it, it really, it doesn't work and then but when you put maxi out there and you have like you have him to rim protect behind porzingis and porzingis to do other things in the rim rim protect behind Maxi, when maxi rotates out they wrote they work well together the problem is is that both of them can't play all of the time Mm -hmm. we have like four other centers on the roster that can't do anything
0: yeah oh yeah well this has been fun i appreciate you two taking some time out of your saturday to join me um Let's get this. Let's get on out of here. And if you two want to go uh, help me yell uh, and discuss with the game with strangers on the green room, I hope you join us. Let's do it. All right, guys. Uh-huh. This has been Kirk Henderson, Xavier, Xavier Santos, and Matthew Phillips coming to you from Mavs Moneyball After Dark. We appreciate the uh, support. Hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving. And we will talk to you a little later uh, in the green room.